Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, and today's guest is Talia Dendi. Talia is a cancer doula, a cancer thriver, a cancer health equity consultant, a mental health first aider, and a podcaster who has dedicated her career to advocating for, guiding, supporting, and empowering people diagnosed with cancer. She's been a guest on numerous podcasts, so I am just privileged to have her with us today. Talia, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for having me. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Let's get started. Your story started many years ago, so I'll allow you to unfold that story and let's build on it. Wonderful. Thank you. I was actually diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2011. Out of the blue, I had never been sick before. I never broke a bone, stayed the night in the hospital. So this diagnosis was a big shock to me, of course. Mind you, I was in my early 30s, a time when you're supposed to be planning a family. I was trying to climb the corporate ladder. All of these things were supposed to be doing. So let me back up a little bit because actually my journey with cancer started a year before. So in 2010, I went to my primary care doctor and at the end of my physical, I pointed out to her that I had a lump on my neck. She knew that I had worked out regularly, was very active, very fit. She goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's probably just a pulled muscle. Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, a year goes by. And that pulled muscle has gotten bigger and harder. So I tell my mom, I said, I'm really concerned about this. She recommends that I go to a different doctor. I'm going to make this distinction for a reason, and it'll become a parent as we talk more. The doctor that my mom referred me to happened to be a Somali woman. And the first woman was a Caucasian woman. And I went to see this Somali doctor and right away, she was very concerned. She asked many questions. She said, do you mind if I touch it? Mind you, none of these things had taken place in the prior appointment. And so her whole face changed after she started touching it and things like that. She said, yeah, I want you to go get an ultrasound. I knew something was wrong, Jeanette. I never thought it was cancer, to be totally honest with you, because I felt fine and maybe a little tired, but I attributed that to work. So go in and have this ultrasound. I could tell by the technician's face that something was going on, but of course they can't tell you anything. So she says, we'll have the results in a couple of days. 
and someone will give you a call. A couple of days go by, I get that call and they say, something's going on. We're not sure what it is. So we would like for you to come in for a fine needle aspiration. What that means is they go in, they take this very tiny needle and they pull out some cells and tissue from that area. Unfortunately, I got a call a couple of days later again. They say, we're sorry to tell you the results came back inconclusive. The sample size was not large enough. Okay, we need for you to come in for a biopsy. So I go in for a biopsy and they don't take the full, the whole lymph node, but they take a large portion of it. Again, a couple of days later on a Friday, driving home from work, I get a call from the nurse and she says, I'm sorry to tell you this but it has been determined that you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And everything in me just, it felt like at that moment I was watching a movie. I was watching myself talk to this nurse. And she said, I had all these questions. And she said, I'm so sorry, honey. I know you're concerned. I know I've just dropped a big load on you. I can't answer any of those questions. But what I can tell you is that my husband had a cancer diagnosis, Hodgkin's lymphoma, several years ago and he's doing fine. I know that she was trying to soothe me in a way, but I'm just like, okay, I'm not him. (laughs) I need some answers. She told me what I need to do, call the office on Monday and start getting some appointments scheduled. Of course, I'm a ball of nerves. I pull over and go to a TJ Maxx, get out of the car. I don't know. I'm not in there looking for anything. I just needed to calm my nerves. So I'm walking around this TJ Maxx for about 30 minutes, replaying what I've just heard. Wow what does this mean? Am I going to die? Just all these questions. So finally, I pulled myself together about 30 minutes later and drove home. When I got home, I called my family. I don't have any kids. I'm not married or anything. And I wasn't at that time either. So called my mom, my brother, and a few other people and let them know what was going on. And of course, they had all these questions for me. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any answers myself. So I can't answer your questions. What I need to do is Monday start making appointments so I can get staged. That is really to determine how far along the cancer is. But what I did say was, I just need some time to myself to just work through all of this. And that weekend, I did not leave my house. I prayed, of course. I cried. I was angry. I went through every emotion I think humanly possible. Now, that may sound weird to the folks listening. For some people who just don't get it, like, why would she do that? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know what I was doing at that time myself. That's what God told me to do. I'm so grateful that I listened because by purging all of that, getting all of that out, and then just making that connection and making that spiritual connection and building myself up in that way allowed me to get up Monday morning and make the calls that I needed to make and switch gears from like victim to look, this is my life and my health on the line. I got to show up for myself. I'm going to be totally honest. I think had I not not done that and taken those couple of days for myself, I think it would have been a totally different situation. I can understand that because when you said showing up for yourself, standing in the power of what you can or could control, I think is very important to recognize in how you chose to respond to that situation. I've spoken to many people and they say what matters most is what you do next. Very true. And it was the best thing I could have done because again, the spirit of God just said, hey, you need to 
work through this with yourself first as best you can. And I asked God, I said, please show me what to do. That's what he told me to do. And throughout my whole cancer journey, I kept, please show me what to do. I need some guidance here. So thankfully, Jeanette got up, made those calls. I got connected with a wonderful oncologist. That was a blessing too, because many people don't have that connection and experience that I had with their oncologist. And uh, we met and And he said, I'm going to take care of you. Just made me feel welcomed and secure. So that was the other thing that really helped. And we formed this relationship. And I had let him know right away, hey, I'm going to be a participant in my care. That means I'm going to have questions. That means we're going to have discussions. I'm not going to have these things done to me. I need to understand not only if it will cure or help my cancer, but what will my quality of life? look like after, because that's what a lot of people don't think about. And that's what I want to encourage people to do is yes, you have options, but don't just think about the here and the now. Think about living and what do you want your life to look like after? For example, if you have grandchildren, do you want to still be able to play with your grandchildren? You want to be able to have enough energy to do that. And so just think about those things. Just try not to just live in that moment of cancer, because I think that you're limiting yourself. And I say this because there's more survivors than ever. A lot of people are living many years after they've been diagnosed with cancer. And then also that's a part of creating that hope is when you can say, hey, what do I want my quality of life to look like after I go through this horrible experience? I believe you owe it to yourself. Absolutely. You said a couple of things in other podcast interviews to the partnership between you and your oncologist that you were participating. That's the type of relationship you would have. And it reminded me of a time when I actually made a statement like that to a doctor and she looked at me like I was from another planet. Yeah. And it was just in basic women's wellness. And I said, I'd love to partner with you in my wellness plan. So to have someone from the medical or in the medical profession who is willing to actually do the work along with you and help you to understand the road that's ahead and the things that may need to get done along the way is pretty a powerful approach to the situation that you're in. The question that I have, what did you learn about yourself? Thank you for asking that question, Jeanette. There was a lot that I learned about myself. The first thing was, and I asked myself this, what was the real reason? I didn't go get a second opinion right away. When that doctor blew me off, why did I accept that? And of course, I had made all these excuses. Well, I'm busy with work. I'm trying to support my family, helping them with their issues. I was always that person that everyone went to. So the first thing I learned and what also helped me to say, hey, I'm standing in my power because I almost lost my life because this woman didn't care and I should have cared more myself. (laughs) And so one thing that I learned was that I needed to start putting myself first and I needed to value myself more. And I say this because I know a lot of Black women and just women in general suffer from this. We're trying to be all these things to everybody while neglecting our needs, ourselves. We want to be liked and accepted. We don't want to be the angry Black woman, whatever it is. And that's one thing, two things, making time for myself and putting myself first. 
valuing myself, so self-worth. And the other thing was not being afraid of what other people think, speaking up for yourself, saying no, that's another thing. And another piece of it was it allowed me to see all the things and people that were weighing me down that contributed to a lot of the stress that I had that could have possibly contributed to me being diagnosed with cancer because I was very stressed out at that time. And so when I say people and things that needed to be let go, I think we all have people or have had people in our personal and even professional relationships who brought in a lot of stress, a lot of their drama. And we just say, that's just how they are. We don't have to take that on. And so the other piece was things that were no longer serving me. I knew that I wasn't happy in the work that I was doing, but hey, I was making good money. It was paying the bills and I was afraid of what would happen if I stopped doing this kind of work. So many things a person can learn and that even I learned when you're going through something tough like that, if you are open to saying, hey, Instead of what is this trauma or this experience taking away from me, what can I get from it? And that's what helped me to keep going too is, okay, cancer, you're trying to attack me, but I'm going to get something from you. Absolutely. So in your process of weighing the pros and the cons relative to exiting from the corporate environment, because I know that for many people and rightfully, it can be very scary to step out there because there are other things that a lot of people don't think about. The average person will say, I'll just leave that job. I mean, you don't need them just get another job, that type of thing. But when you have a health issue or concern, the things that are important, the basic things like health insurance and how the rules work when you have a pre-existing condition, okay? So talk a little bit about that thought process as you weigh the pros and the cons. First, I'll start out by saying, Jeanette, that I was diagnosed in 2011. I didn't exit corporate America till 2018. So we'll start there. And there are a couple of things going on. Okay, what was my purpose? I had to figure that out first, which I did. But the other part was, how do I plan for this? And like you said, I couldn't just exit because I needed that health insurance at least until I reached the five-year mark, at least. So those were some other factors that I considered. Okay, let me save up as much money as I can. Let me figure out what I can do that will leverage me until whatever it is I decide to do takes off. And so those were all the factors, the things that I considered. Some cons about it is, of course, you don't have that income, that steady income that you're used to having. You got to make lifestyle changes. Thankfully, I love children. I hope to have some one day and also be married, but I didn't have anyone else to consider other than myself. So that made it easier to, I can let go of a lot of things and still be happy. But if I have a child that I need to provide for, that's a whole different conversation. Conversation. And those are a lot of the different things. I did want to ask you this question as it relates to how you showed up in terms of the support that you got from the, your coworkers, the leaders within your company. How did you manage through that? Unfortunately, Jeanette, I was one of those people who did not have a great support system at work. Actually, my oncologist had recommended that I go on six-month disability. And he said, Talaya, don't worry about it. I'll have the nurse here make sure that everything is communicated with your job, fill out the paperwork. We'll keep them updated. So on that side of it, I had no stressor. But on the work side of it, I was very stressed out because the manager would email me 
and say, hey, when are you coming back? My doctor sent you this information. There's no need for you to be emailing me every other week. And once my treatment was done, I went back to the office part-time. And then it was, when are you going to be able to work full-time? So there wasn't that support there. HR did the best that they could. But in 2011, cancer was still, I don't say it loud. And a lot of these managers, they're not trained on how to work with their employees who have serious illnesses like cancer and other illnesses. He just appeared to be more concerned about when was I coming back to work. And eventually I left that place because I'm like, you know what? I'm fighting for my life and you're more concerned about when I'm going to be able to fill your chair and do your job. But that came back to the enlightenment of I'm worth way more than that. In the workspace, it wasn't very supportive. I'm not surprised. As a leader, I had occasion to work with team members who had to take time off for a medical condition. And I remember the pressure that I was getting from my upper leadership in terms of managing the situation to make sure the person wasn't taking advantage of the opportunity to be off on disability for extended period of time. And I had more compassion because I understood what they were going through. But again, to have that pressure coming down on you, in your case, you had someone who was just freaking clueless, okay? Don't know him or her, just saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So as you started to develop this awareness of your power and the strength that you had, let's talk about what a doula is and what a cancer doula is. Okay. So Jeanette, what I'll do is I'll start off by explaining how I got there. And of course, what I had experienced is what led me to wanting to help other people through their cancer journey. There were a lot of key areas that I discovered, even though I had a great oncologist, there were a lot of gaps a lot of things still missing. And one thing was the emotional support. Talking to someone who understood what you were going through, who could guide you and say, okay, Talia, when you go to chemo for the first couple of times, here's what you can expect. The first one's going to be longer because they have to do all these different things and then they have to monitor you. Just having someone who could walk you through that. And I say that because that takes a lot of the edge off of the uncertainty that reduces anxiety because you have an idea of how things are going to go. So the emotional piece was missing. The other piece that I found missing was education about nutrition for someone who is experiencing cancer, who doesn't want to eat. The most information that I had gotten from the dietitian was the food pyramid. We all know what that is. What can I do to keep my energy when I don't want to eat? Because I need my energy. I need to keep some weight on so I can get through this treatment. So just getting that was tough. The other piece was communication. I really didn't feel like I had the tools at that time to really communicate with my employer and say, hey, these are my rights. This is what, you know, you should not be doing and really talking in a way that put up those boundaries without the fear of losing my job. The other piece of that communication is talking with your friends and family and not feeling like you have to disclose everything. The other piece that came really natural for me because I'm just this kind of person who's very analytical. I enjoyed, I know this sounds weird, but I enjoyed learning more about cancer. 
and really researching my treatment options that I have been given. That's another thing that I do as a cancer doula. So those were all areas where I saw gaps. A doula is someone who supports another person through a major life change or significant health-related experience. That is a doula. To me, that said cancer all over it. And I initially was calling myself a cancer coach, but I'm like, I don't feel like I'm coaching people, my clients. I feel like I'm walking through this journey with them. I'm their partner in a sense outside of the healthcare system. And so I, I like to break it down like this. A birth doula is the beginning of life. There are death doulas that help people transition and it's the end of life. As a cancer doula, we focus on the present, the here and now. And how do we get that client on the other side of cancer so that they are living the quality of life that they really want? They have healed in all areas of their life, because healing is not just physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual, and mental as well. So what are some blocks that they're experiencing that they're still holding on to? So just taking that time and making sure that people understand that this time is about you. This time is for you to get what you need and take care of yourself and assist them along the way. It's incredible that you had the insight to think about it from that perspective and remove the victim type of mentality into the beyond survivor, but really thrive. That makes a difference. I've had several friends and family members who have been diagnosed with cancer and all of them are alive. One of them is turning 92. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, and it's incredible what the human spirit is capable of. And then, of course, with the support, you mentioned the wellness, eating foods that serve you well. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand the value of food. They're stuck on the food pyramid. I call it propaganda. But the upside is that there is a lot of information out there. If you're curious, have an open mind and seek the information, it's out there. The kinds of foods are going to serve you better than others. It's been quite a while since that diagnosis. So I know that you've said in other interviews, something to the effect that they don't say that you're cancer free. There's another term that they use. What is that term that they use? Yes, Jeanette, they really don't like to say cancer free. They like to say NED, no evidence of disease. And some doctors will say, hey, after five years, you're cancer free. But I think as a whole, because once that cancer cell has been activated, there's a chance that it could be activated again. We all have cancer cells. They just haven't been activated yet for people who have not received a cancer diagnosis. So for someone like me, not only has cancer cells been activated, but here's the other thing. The treatment that I had, Lord forbid, could potentially lead to another form of cancer. So again, that goes back to what are some things to consider when you're making your decisions about your treatment options, because it's your decision. Now, because I was so young, the type of treatment that was recommended for me was number one, it had an 80 something percent survival rate. Okay, that's good. Number two, I was very healthy other than the cancer. So me getting through that treatment was pretty much guaranteed. I had no heart problems, health problems, any of that. So I'm saying all this as things to consider. Now, had I been in a different 
health, any in physical state, it might have been a different outcome. I might have would have struggled a little bit more than I did. So those are all things to consider as well. The other point that I wanted to make was it can cause another form of cancer. Many of these treatments can. Now I had chemotherapy and radiation. So where they did the radiation, it has been known to cause breast cancer in women because I had radiation in the chest and neck area. So that's why in some instances, they don't like to say cured. So as a result of that reality, what kind of changes did you have to make in your lifestyle from an eating perspective and also from an exercise perspective? So I've continued my exercise. That's very important. I'm now vegan. I don't eat any red meat or even seafood after learning more about how salmon and tilapia is farmed. I have a totally new diet. I love walking. That has to happen because <laughs> it's not just a physical benefit, but it's a mental benefit as well. I try to keep the stress low. And I have a small circle, but I really work hard in making sure that those are people who truly value me and we value each other and we have mutual respect for each other. And anything that doesn't serve me, I have to let it go. Very positive. And that's a message that I've been hearing most recently over and over again. If you can't change people, then sometimes you have to change the people around you or you change the people that you associate with. So I get it 100% on that. What's next for you? What's next for me is I want to continue to develop my podcast and just continue to talk with people. Everyone is actually me about a book. I don't know if that is in my immediate future, but it might be a few more years out. So that's one thing I've been thinking about. And the next thing that I started getting involved in is educating minority communities about clinical trials and the importance of clinical trials and trying to help the communities, especially underserved communities, move beyond the medical malpractice that has been done to our ancestors move past that, but educate them about some of the benefits of it because a lot of people are losing their lives because they don't have any data. For example, Black women about specific treatments that could save their lives. So if minority people are not participating in these trials, they only have data from white people. That may not work for a Hispanic person or a Black person. Probably a lot of fear involved, as you say, historically yeah. from other trials. And so I understand that. And then, of course, with COVID, yeah. I mean, you have a lot <laughs> of competition around that. So folks are walking around with their antennas up and they may just need much more information. However, to your point, when you're faced with a medical crisis, let's just say, and there is path or road from a clinical trial perspective to be a part of it might serve you well. So it's not like you're making a blanket statement that we all should be part of clinical trials. Yes. It may be an opportunity to address a health concern you have, and maybe here are some of the things that you might want to consider or be aware of if you're considering becoming a part of one. That's right. It could be an option where it could extend your life. But Jeanette, I do want to point out, it matters how that information is communicated who is communicating that information. And there has to be, again, that awareness and acknowledgement that, hey, these people, Hispanic people, but majority Black people have been treated wrong when it comes to healthcare. And so just making sure that 
we have that healthcare equity. And that's another thing that I'm really focused on the education and then the healthcare equity once we enter into those spaces. I certainly have enjoyed our conversation today, Talaya, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you in the very near future. We will have all your contact information in the show notes and and tell us the name of your podcast. Yes, Jeanette, it is Navigating Cancer Together, and it can be found on all the major podcast players and platforms. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.